Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Let's read here in Galatians chapter number one. In the first 10 verses we're going to look at here, the Bible says this, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Then he says this, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or any angel or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you that which ye have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Then he says the same thing again in verse number nine. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us through his word. Father, we're again extremely grateful for the opportunity that we have to once again spend some time in your word this evening. And God, I pray that we would take seriously this time that you've given us. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for a church that is able to be open. There are many churches across this country. I think of the Strathers in London who have had problems opening. And God, we're grateful that we can be here in a church and worship together in song and through the word. And so I pray that we would uh, be thankful and grateful for that opportunity. And Lord, as we look at this, the opening of this letter here from Paul, I pray that we would pull some things out that would help us, some warnings, some truths from your word that would help us in our Christian walk. May we be different as a result of the things that we hear in this place this evening. God, you say that your word is quick and powerful, and we pray that today we know that your word is alive and that it speaks, and so I pray that your word will have the power once again this evening, we pray in your name. Amen. In the first few chapters, Paul here spends some time instructing, correcting, and even rebuking, and there's some warnings in here. Once we get to chapter 5 and 6 in the book of Galatians, he then gives a remedy and kind of a, a plan on how we are to execute some of the things that this, this church has messed up on a little bit. And in the first few chapters are filled with so much instruction, a lot of instruction here. And tonight, I want these passages to serve as a warning to us as believers. As we read through these passages, I want them to serve as a warning to us. Uh, to us as Christians, that they, would, uh, that they would speak to us and we would be warned of some of the dangers that can come in our lives, just like they did in the church here. The constant theme through the beginning of these chapters is simply this. How can you turn away from God? 
And we'll see this theme throughout this book as Paul makes mention of this multiple times. How can you turn away from God? You see, the church has moved so far away from what they know was right at this point. And they begin to lean onto their own understandings. And all throughout this book, Paul warns and even comes to a point where he rebukes the church for some of the decisions, uh, excuse me, decisions that they're making. So tonight, I want to challenge us here from Galatians chapter 1, and hopefully this challenge from the Apostle Paul will help us to grow in our walk and our love for Jesus. So as we look at Paul's challenge to the church. So first, Paul's challenge to the church, I see this. I see Paul's position. Paul's position. Look here in verse number 1. The Bible says this. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. You see, there are a few things that qualifies someone as an apostle, that qualified them as an apostle, and one of them was this. They had to literally see Jesus. They had to see Jesus, and, and, and Paul personally saw Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. His calling and everything was from Christ. It was directly from God. You see, his authority comes directly from God. Paul here was very, very clear from the beginning of this chapter, the opening of the letter, the first thing that he wrote to this church, I'm going to be clear on my position. I'm going to be very clear where I stand. When I was in college, um, I, uh, you know, I had multiple jobs uh, to, to make ends meet, and one of the jobs that I ended up finding, a few of us friends ended up working together, and we ended up uh, becoming door-to-door -door salesmen. And uh, how many of you guys are familiar with door-to-door -door salesmen? Okay. How many of you hate door-to-door -door salesmen? Most of us, all right? No one likes anyone knocking on their door and trying to sell them anything. And so I worked for this solar company. I know, even worse, all right? And uh, I worked for a solar company. But it helped get my way through college and allowed me to eat, all right? That, that, I, I have to say, that's probably what I spent most of my money on, and my mom can probably attest to that as well. I spent a lot of my money on food. Uh, but that was a job that I had in college, working this solar company. I was one of those guys that everyone hated. And I went door to door trying to get people to sign Sign up for an appointment uh, to meet a technician to come to their house to try to get solar on their home. And, uh, you know, we, none of us like those people, but I was one of those guys. And, and, and our strategy in this, it was really deceitful, okay? Looking back, it was deceitful. But in the moment, all I cared about was the $50 I got for signing up someone for the appointment, okay? When we would knock on someone's door, we would never say that we were from a solar company. Because that's bad news. No one wants to talk to anyone from a solar company. The second you get a call from someone from a solar company or they're at your door, you're going to shut the door hang up the phone. You're, you're not interested in that. And so we would come across from a little bit of a different angle to try to engage the person in conversation. What we would do is we would tell them that we were with a company that is making them aware that Southern California has recently raised the rates for the electricity in their area. And we would have this sheet, me and my buddies put together this sheet and printed it out, and we had it there, and we would show them the different tiers. If you have an electric bill and you've seen the different tiers and things like that, and uh, we, would, we would tell people that that was our reason for being here, to just make sure that they were aware of the recent rate increases from Southern California Edison. Steve knows all about that. And really, our main goal was just to get them to sign up for an appointment so we could get $50 in our bank account. That was our main goal. But we, we tried to almost convince them that we were there for a different reason. And often, over and over and over again, when we would present people with this, they were fully engaged. And on the other hand, if you would ever enter with, hello, my name is Ryan from so-and-so Solar, 
They were never interested. So we had to come up with a new way to be creative to engage the person in conversation and to get that appointment. And yes, I was extremely unclear in who I was and what I was there for. I was a little bit deceitful in my reasoning of who I was and, and what I was there for and the purposes for being there. And here we see the Apostle Paul being very clear in who he was. And often we find ourselves, just like I found myself in this situation, in this job, we find ourselves not really being clear in who we are in our position in Christ. Sometimes, if we're being honest, maybe we're not even ashamed and we're not embarrassed, but sometimes we become insecure. And we're not as bold as what we can be. And the Apostle Paul writes this letter and immediately, immediately the first thing he says, he didn't instruct, he didn't rebuke nothing. It was this is my position. You see, as a Christian, that's how we're called to live our Christian life. We need to be very clear in our position. Paul clearly stated, I am here not by man, but by God. My position is in Christ and nothing else. You see, God has called us to be bold and unashamed in who we are, to be bold and unashamed in the position that we have in Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people. Ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see, God has called you, changed you, saved you. Be bold. Let it be known. Let it be known who has called you and who has brought you from darkness into light, what the Bible says. Paul was very clear in his position. Second, we see this. Second, we see Paul's correction. Look with me in verse number six here. Paul's correction in Galatians 1, verse number six. The Bible says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. You see here, we see Paul doing some correcting to the churches. Here's what he's saying here. He's unbelievably shocked that this church would so quickly backslide. That this church would so quickly fall away from what they know is right. He said, I marvel. Marvel meaning this, a wonder that which arrests the intention and causes a person to stand or gaze or to, plot or to pause. He couldn't believe it. You see, this church here was in the early stages. They were a, a new, a young church. It was a young church that had so quickly fallen away from the gospel and the truth. They were leaving the one who called them, the one who had saved them. And Paul is absolutely blown away that they would desert their Savior like that. You see, not only does he express how shocked he is, but then he begins to tell them the reasons they're being corrected. You see, first, they didn't guard their influences. He said this here, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul here is urging the church to guard their influences. I've had some trouble with this in the past, guarding my influences. And I think we all have. We've allowed some people to influence us. Hopefully some people in some positive light, but sometimes they influence, influence us in a negative light. It was my senior year of high school. I can picture it now. 17 years old. Extremely immature. Made some really bad decisions. And at my school, 
uh, I went to a Christian school my junior senior year, a small private school, and uh, I believe it was for ninth or tenth grade. They split up the health classes, and uh, the guys uh, would have one health teacher, and the girls would have one t- health teacher. And I was a junior, so I wasn't taking health, um, but I, I knew that's kind of how it worked. And during health class, the girls were given this specific project, this assignment, and uh, the project was that they were to take care of uh, a bag of flour. That was what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to take care of this bag of flour and protect it and make sure that nothing happened to it and no harm came to this bag of flour and there were no rips or tears in the flour and they bought, brought it back a few days later and that was their responsibility. I don't really know what the purpose of it was, but they, that's what they were responsible for doing was taking care of this bag of flour. And if they brought it back and it wasn't all together, they would get a bad grade. And so one of the girls in the class, she was that type of person who always tried to one-up everyone, you know? She tries to always be better than everyone, and if you have a story, she always has a story that's so much better, and if you do something, she has to do something that's so much better than you. And uh, so when they handed out all the bags of flour, there was one bag extra. And this girl, apparently from what I understand in the class, said, I'll take that and I'll take two bags of flour. And so she had two bags of flour and she goes out and we're at lunch and everyone's talking and everyone's got their bag of flour and all the girls and this girl's got her two bags of flour and everyone's like kind of looking at her like she's weird. And uh, we're kind of all laughing and all the girls are kind of like, you know, talking and, and you know, gossiping and whispering and making fun of this one girl with the two bags of flour. And so, you know, us as guys, you know, mature guys, we engaged in the gossip immediately, you know, and we're trying to figure out what's happening. And so they said that the same thing that we had, that I just told you, they had, they had uh, decided that she she had decided that she was going to take two bags of flour. And one of my friends had said, hey, Ryan, it'll be really funny if you take one of those bags of flour and rip it up and break it. And, you know, I'm being 17, so I kind of laughed it off and thought it was kind of funny. And uh, this is a true story, by the way. My mom's in the back of the room. She could tell you this is a 100% true story. And I thought it was kind of funny at first, and we were laughing about it. And my friends just kept pestering at me to do it, just kept pestering at me to break this bag of flour. And so, you know, engaging in this, I thought it was hilarious. So I I went up and I I told the girl literally, I said, I'm going to take one of your bags of flour and I'm going to break it. And just seeing what she would say. And these were her exact words. I bet you $20 you won't. Well, immediately when she said that, it was game time. Okay? I mean, I was already probably going to do it because of the influence. But the $20 just made me want to do it that much more. And so I came up with a plan. I came up with a plan. I had to be appropriate, you know. And so I got these two girls that were in my class that were my friends to go and steal the bag of flour from her during lunch and throw it to me. So we executed the plan perfectly. Right during lunch, she was walking to her next class. They grabbed the bag of flour. They threw it to me. And I don't know why, but in my mind, my immediate reaction was to run to the third floor of the building, of our school building. And I sprinted to the third floor of the school building, and I ran up there. And with the whole student body watching, everyone looking up at me, I grabbed the bag of flour, and I threw it as hard as I could off of the balcony of the building. And it exploded everywhere. Well, this story kind of makes me feel like, seem like a really bad person, which I, I was at that point. Uh, what I didn't account for was that when the girls took the bag of flour, um, they accidentally tackled her. She hit her head on a slide and got a concussion. Yeah, again, a really terrible person here. Um, and so because of that, uh, the administration was not very happy with the decision that I had made. And because I allowed these influences in my life, 
and I allowed these people to influence me to do something that I know I shouldn't have done, I ended up getting a two-day vacation, otherwise known as a suspension. Because I allowed these people to influence me in this negative way, I was suspended from school for two days. You see, it ended up getting me into some serious trouble. And this is exactly what Paul is saying here to the church. You allowed some wrong influences in your life that ended up setting you down a wrong path. You allowed some people to teach you some things that go against the gospel of Christ. You allowed some negative things and some wrong influences. And he's not just warning the church here. He's correcting. He's not just saying, be careful. He's saying, no, you did allow this. Because of who you allowed in and because of your influence, this is what happened. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 10, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion, a companion of fools shall be destroyed. See, no matter our age, we need to be sure to guard our influences. We think that's just a truth for teens or for kids, but the truth of the matter is no matter our age, we need to be careful of the influences we allow in our life. This young church allowed some people and some things to influence them in a seriously negative way. Not only do we see their influences, but he also corrected them on their doctrine. Look with me in verse 8 through 9. He says this, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, than which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And then he literally repeats the same thing back here in verse number 9. He tells them, I don't care if an angel comes down and teaches you any other gospel or says anything to you. Let them be accursed. Paul is taking this seriously. He's taking a strong stand here. You see, Paul did and said what was right, not what felt right to him. He did and said what was right, not what felt right. And I just want to challenge each of us in this room. Surround yourself with people like that. Surround yourself with people who will have difficult conversations with you. Surround yourself with people that when you mess up, will not only pick you up, but will call you out on your sin. Will call you out when you make a mistake. Who will be honest with you. Who will have tough conversations with you. You see, we often surround ourselves with people that tell us what we want to hear. We often surround ourselves with people that tell us what we want to hear and that will say kind things to us. And that's great. I, I love being an encouragement. It doesn't mean that we have to be unkind. You see, Paul here was very firm, but he spoke the truth in love. You see, be thankful if you have someone in your life who can speak truth to you and correct you when you're wrong. You see, I don't work out much. Um, much is an understatement. I really don't work out ever. Um, but uh, I do know this. When you work out and you become sore, that's because when you lift a heavy weight, what you're really doing is creating micro tears in your muscle fibers. You see, those muscles then have to repair themselves, and then when they repair themselves, they get stronger, which results in muscle growth. I've heard it said before, it takes pain to look good. And in our lives, sometimes it takes tough conversations. Sometimes it takes being confronted for us to develop and grow in our Christian life. 
Sometimes it takes hard conversations. It takes being confronted by someone you love to be able to grow and develop the way that we should. We shouldn't excuse sin. Not only should we not, so we should surround ourselves with people that will have tough conversations with us, but we need to be that type of person. We shouldn't excuse sin. Rather, we should confront it. If we're being honest, sometimes we just need to be called out. I'm thankful for people in my life who have called me out when I've messed up. I'm thankful for people who have sat me down and had tough conversations with me and have had to be brutally honest with me. When I was in high school, before I went to private school, I was, I was going to a, a public school uh, for a few years. And uh, uh, my mom and, and me and my little brother, we had just moved into an apartment, and we, and we couldn't really uh, afford to go to a private school, so I was going to a public school for a few years. And, uh, and, and, and I, again, nothing, nothing was terrible, but I just, I just wasn't really living, living right and living for the Lord or anything like that. And uh, I, I was just kind of in a, in a bad place. I had some bitterness towards some things that had happened to me in my past. And I was frustrated and angry. And, and, uh, and, and, and there was a man in my life who I worked with who's now on our staff here at the school working as our athletic director. His name is Dan Willard. Who pulled me into his office one, one time, and, and him and his wife, and kind of just confronted me on, on my attitude. And kind of confronted me on, on some of the, the ways I had been acting. And, and, and just kind of, he knew that I was in a dark place, and, and we had talked, and I, I was at the point where I didn't really care about school, I didn't care what my grades were like, and I just had no motivation for anything. And, and he just pulled me into his office, him and his wife, and just confronted me on a few things. And called me out on how I was just kind of being lazy and, and being lackadaisical and, and had really no drive or no motivation or anything. And this man not only confronted me and had a really difficult conversation with me that I was in his office crying, and, and, and I felt like for a moment that maybe I was being picked on or that this leader in my life was looking at me in a different way, and he didn't really know the full story, and he didn't know everything. And after that difficult conversation, this man, out of his own pocket, paid for me to go to Christian school. He told me that if I wanted to, that him and his wife, out of their own pocket, would pay for me to go to Christian school. And that meeting, that tough conversation, that moment where it was difficult at first, and then that love that he showed to me completely changed the direction of my life. Completely. And most in this room would never know Dan Willard. Most in this room would never know him. Maybe even never heard that name before. But because of a man who was willing to have a difficult conversation with me and was willing to speak the truth in love and then actually show that, love. My life will never be the same because of that. Don't be afraid to have difficult conversations and surround yourself with people who will speak to you and, and speak the truth in love. So not only do we see Paul's position and Paul's correction, but thirdly, we see Paul's motives, Paul's motivation. Look at verse number 10 here. Paul's motivation, it says this, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. His message to this church was to serve and live 
with the right motives. Not for man's approval, but for our Savior. What's our motivation? 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says this, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Often we seem to do things with the wrong motives, don't we? It may not be that we're doing something wrong. Maybe we're doing something right, but with the wrong intentions. We may to go to church and serve, but often we do those things for one of two things. Either man's approval or spiritual blessing. Sometimes we all fall into that trap. Serving or doing for man's approval or spiritual blessing. And let me tell you this evening, those are the wrong motives. Our motive should be because of who Christ is and because of what he's done in our life. The Bible says this, we love him because he first loved us. I shouldn't serve him because I want recognition or approval of man. The only approval I need is the one of my father. You see, isn't it funny that when we make decisions to serve God with the right motives, wanting to just live for God, often we do receive those things. And not all the time. I'm not saying if you serve God and, and, you, and you serve with the right motives that you're always going to get recognized for everything you do and you're always going to receive this rich blessing and you're never going to have a difficult season because you will. But often we do receive those things. Often we, we do receive the spiritual blessing from God. But you know what I also see? Most of the time, when we serve with the wrong intentions, what happens? We don't get either. Often when we serve with the wrong intentions, and then we don't get that spiritual blessing because we're serving with the wrong intentions, and then we don't get the approval that we're so desperately seeking from man, then what happens? It causes us to be bitter. It causes us to be angry at someone or at God because we didn't receive the recognition or approval that we thought that we so desperately deserved. We work so hard to seek the approval of someone and, and, and everything we do is that so I'll get this recognition and I serve in this class so that someone will say my name from a pulpit and, and I, think, I think Pastor does an, a tremendous job of trying to recognize people for their hard work and their diligence and we have so many people in this church that faithfully serve behind the scenes and each and every week do things without anyone noticing, without myself included or any other pastoral staff and I'm so grateful for the heart of this church but Paul here, I believe, is, is sharing and saying here in verse number 10, as we read the motives here, do I seek to please men? For if I please men, I should not be a servant of Christ. Church, do we have the right motives? I've seen it firsthand. And I've been there. I've experienced it. I've seen people that have not gotten the recognition that they think they deserve, and it causes them to get bitter at God or the church or at someone else. And I've been there in my own life where I thought I didn't get appreciated for something that I've done and it causes me to be angry at someone. That's not the Christian life that God has called us to live. I, I, I don't serve so that God will uh, bless me. I don't serve so that someone will say something uh, great about me or so that they'll lift, my, lift me up in pride and my ego will be big. I, I serve because of who God is and because of what God has done in my life. We need to make much of God, church. We need to serve God with the right motives. And the Apostle Paul clearly tells us, I'm not doing this for man, I'm doing this for him. So tonight we saw Paul's message to the church. 
We saw Paul take a stand and made his position clearly known. Maybe God tonight is speaking to you about being bold in your position. Maybe he's challenging you to not be ashamed like he says in Romans 1. To let it be known where you stand. To let it be known that you're a Christian, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's where God's speaking to you. I challenge you like Paul, make it known. Let it be clear. Maybe God spoke to you about guarding your influences. You see, Paul had to correct the church and took seriously correcting them about some of the mistakes they had made. And maybe God has convicted you or challenged you to maybe get some of those things right or to even just guard your influences. To make sure that the people that you're allowing in your life are going to pull you closer to God, not away from God. And lastly, maybe God has challenged you to serve him with the right motives. Maybe if you're being honest like me, you've been at a point in your life or you are at a point where you've been serving with the wrong motives. You've been serving to get recognition, to fill off a religious checklist, to seek approval from man, to get a spiritual blessing. I want to challenge each of us, myself included this evening, serve with the right motives. Serve to please God, not man. Don't be concerned if you get recognized. Don't be concerned if someone says a good word to you. Serve with the right motives. I don't know where God has challenged you or what area he's challenged you this evening. But just like Paul delivered this message to the church here, I want to challenge each of us to evaluate our own personal lives. Maybe become more bold. Become more bold of a witness to guard our influences, guard our doctrine, or maybe just serve with the right motives. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.